You're listening to a podcast by Adelaide West Uniting Church. Oh, we're actually already recording. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome yeah. to Open Ended. He's, uh, he's today we're going to talk about life love. that way. Yeah. You just don't know when it's on. Well, because <laughs> well, if, if I stop everyone and say, okay, we're uh, recording now, yeah, but everyone, right. everyone tightens up. Today, Three, today we're doing two, an unboxing. One, stop. Yeah. Today right. we're doing an unboxing video. Um, <laughs> So we were talking about what we base our faith on today. And yeah. We covered quite a bit because we talked about faith in a couple of different contexts. Mm. Um, how would you? How do we even articulate this context? What well, like because there was. Well, we we pulled apart the fundamental question. So we started with a we started with the question of on what do we base our faith, and then gradually pulled apart what and faith and base. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite that systematic. Well, you but we did, you actually <laughs> faith straight away. Yeah, that was that was, a, that was yeah. a, whether it was based on belief or whether it was based on loyalty or a bit of both. Hopefully, of, yeah, mm. that's right. Um, I forgot to start recording on camera the first time round, yeah, so, right, so which was we, hilarious. Yeah, we got a little bit confused about what we hadn't hadn't already talked about when we went. That's and correct. We recorded, but it did warm us up nicely. Yeah. We're a lot more comfortable the second time round. Yeah, um, this is a pilot, exists. and you know, in a pilot, you never quite know what's going to exactly. happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely we definitely knocked these mic stands a few times. Very scary. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in front of a camera a lot, but I've always got. The script. Yeah. I've always got my script, so to sit here without a script is actually way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Read the book. Oh, yeah. well, Contributed meaningfully. That's. Uh, well, what is meaning, great? <laughs> <laughs> that joke will make sense by the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was staggered actually. We never got to. I'm, we never heard about Bar. Oh, we, we went the entire episode without talking about Bar. And you mentioned the word of God as well. And I was like, oh. You're talking about the word incarnate, and all I can think of now is Karl Barth. And, just, and, never and I was like, this is not going to be fruitful to this conversation if I bring it up. Oh, so, <laughs> so what he's saying is he tried so hard not to talk about Barth. Yeah. I did. I, I really pushed myself. <laughs> I really pushed myself not to Every talk about that. Sorry for, yeah, sorry, for an hour but, of us not talking about Barth. That is... But, I wow. did use like so when I was when I started questioning the question I was being Bartian, especially when I said oh, you were being especially Bart. when I said on what do we base our faith and change it on on who because that yeah. is like that's literally Bart's contribution to <laughs> to modern theology it's like coming back to the who not the what I'm glad we got some Bart in yeah. in the intro oh, at least yeah good thank, I, thank Jesus for bringing Bart in <laughs> it's all right Jesus you can go now Bart's here. <laughs> Oh, but I, but I think it was it was we've called this open ended because it's not about coming up with answers. No, and so it's about stirring conversation, mm. and what we're doing is is I guess embodying that, mm. so that we're not just going yes yes to everything. We've actually got different opinions on various things, and that's part of being open ended is that we're discussing that. Um, so the idea is that. Connect groups can do that same thing. Um, we'll talk amongst friends and so forth can do the same thing. We don't come with a cookie, cut a message. And if you're online and you're watching this on uh, as part of church online, this is this we, we sort of hope this can be a little bit like your connect group. And we'd love to hear your yeah. questions because we want stuff to talk about that was meaningful to you. So um, if you do have yeah. something, shoot Absolutely. us a message. Ask us what we think about it. We'll have a. We'll and Craig will tell flight. you what Bart thinks. <laughs> yeah, no opinions of my own. And open ended is about going deeper and discussing those things that we mm. we can't normally discuss. Yeah. Um, in just everyday life, so it's providing something to to start that discussion. Yeah. And to go a little bit deeper. Mm. 
Um, obviously with the caveat that we are, of course, talking from our own perspectives and this is not representative of um, anything bigger. But yeah, we hope this will be life-giving. Absolutely. I mean, I had fun over the last hour, so... Yeah, definitely. We hope you'll have fun over the next one. So if nobody watches this, we've had fun. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah, worst case scenario is we were going to have a good chat. Yeah, that's right. And we have had a good chat, and we hope it's been helpful uh, to you as well. Or will be, because this will go before. Oh, of course, this will go before. Yeah, Yeah, it will be you. It will be. It will be. Yeah, we we can guarantee it. We know what we said. (laughs) Welcome to Open Ended. I'm Craig. I'm James. And I'm Lynn. This week, we're exploring the question, what do we base our faith on? I said to him before, but I didn't say to you, basically, we'll record the intro to this after we've had the chat, so that way we can go over all the stuff that we end up talking about without having to worry about planning anything. Um, And we'll also chuck in a little disclaimer of like, this is just our opinions, it doesn't represent Adelaide West or the United Church, blah, 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 because that way, you know, gives us a bit more license to Say Talk like about Hitler's what, awesome or something like that. Well, only if that's what you actually think. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not, but, you know, I realise that that can now be clipped out. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, in some respects, like, I am in awe of Hitler, but not in a good way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, there is a degree of You can't of deny the man was effective. <laughs> yeah. An effective leader. Evil, but effective. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Disagree with his ends, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> After I think a we're all on the same page as that. <laughs> Uh, these will be the bloopers at the end. <laughs> right. It took Craig. It took Craig five seconds, literally five seconds, seconds of mentioning mention Hitler. something that we shouldn't be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's important to rule the take. It's funny because I'm getting in the Karl Bart mindset, you know. Oh so. gosh, we got that. Yeah, he'd actually talked about Hitler before Bart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Only because it's context. It's just context. Are we all comfortable? No. Yeah, not, not entirely, <laughs> but it'll be fine. Because um, this is not how we'd be sitting if we were actually having this conversation. No, no, it. that's right, yeah. Um, who's got the simplest answer? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really have a simple answer. Um, well, what is my faith based on? So. Yeah. Uh, my faith is based on on Jesus Christ, based on uh, his death and resurrection, life, death and resurrection. Well, if it turned out that, like, if, if there was some indisputable bit of proof that the resurrection was, uh, you know, purely an allegorical thing or something, would that completely erode your faith then, if the resurrection no. is a key part of it? No, because the... Well, it is a key part of it, but my experience in Christ mm. is is what keeps my faith alive in a sense. You know, the, the, the relationship with Jesus uh, is indisputable. Mm. So you, you, people can say, well, what if this part wasn't true? If that part isn't true, but I've got a life experience of living with Jesus and I, 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 I can't. I can't refute that. Mm. So, so for me, when when people do say those sorts of things, it doesn't change my experience. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd have to say, like, um, you, you you would question the validity of the research that said that the resurrection didn't happen because it is mm. it is kind oh, of yeah, yeah. But like like yeah. the, the whole idea that living 
the life that Jesus tells you to makes any sense aside from the resurrection is insane. Like if the resurrection didn't happen, don't give everything, don't sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Don't do that as bad advice unless there is actually eternal life. And suddenly what you have now doesn't matter as much as what you have then. Um, So you need the resurrection um, uh, at the the basis of things. Otherwise the rest of it is just terrible advice. Well, it depends. I... Like, personally, I feel that I don't require the resurrection to be anything in particular for me. Like, it, one of, one of the, um, probably one of the most confronting theological ideas I've come across was there was um, there's someone I can, uh, keep up with who was going through different um, theologies of the resurrection. And there was one that really hit me quite hard, which was just the idea of what if it didn't need to happen? What if there was no metaphysical thing that happened through the resurrection and it was just a senseless act of violence? Mm. And Mm. so if that was the case, then is there still something that has, like that you've encountered that holds true? And for me, like I have encountered something that the the gospel is pointing towards, you know? you know, I, I feel like I've encountered, I have encountered God and I've encountered God through studying scripture and studying the Bible. And, um, but that's, that's mostly given me a lens to recognize when I've come across it more than anything else, I think. Um, so for me to say that the resurrection was fundamental to my faith feels not quite right to me because I don't need to know how to interpret it quote unquote correctly in order to still be okay. There's I don't think there's any one bit of scripture that I kind of require as aside from I would say that there's two things like there's there's two sort of things that I think are necessary. The first is God is love. That was I remember when I was in high school I wanted to get like I wanted to distill things down to one simple thing. God is love was was the thing that I came up Three with. Three words. Yeah. Not and, simple. And it took it's taken me a long while to fi- um, to figure out why that is something I can really stand on. And it's because if God is not love, well, then I would defy him anyway. So it's, uh, you know, a God who is cruel and unjust is one that I would spend my life railing against. So um, so really it's, you know, I have to believe God is love because that's the only thing that makes sense to me, I guess. So, but then the other thing is, um, and this is getting slightly more specific, is just the idea that um, Jesus is the word made flesh. And so the word, whatever word came to all the prophets came to John the Baptist. Jesus is that word uh, made flesh. And through that, we can encounter the word of God through the actions in the life of Jesus. And so therefore, it, everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he is necessarily the Messiah that was preached about in the Old Testament. It doesn't matter if the resurrection literally happened or not. Um, the point is that I know I've encountered something that you know, lines up with what I know of the word to be. I believe Jesus is the uh, is the embodiment of that word, and how you get there kind of doesn't matter as much, I guess. And that's enough for you, is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And certainly, the idea that the resurrection is metaphorical was pretty common, even even the very, even within the first um, fifty to hundred years after Jesus. Um, uh, Resurrection. I'm going to say resurrection because I believe yeah. very firmly in it. Yeah. Um, because again, like for me, I couldn't, I couldn't do the Christian thing if there wasn't a resurrection. Like mm. I just don't think Jesus' teaching um, 
would float my boat personally if I wasn't if he wasn't resurrected. Like for me to say that he is the word of God is only validated by the fact that he was witnessed by people having risen from the grave. So yeah. without that, I mean, we're talking about foundations of faith here. So mm. like yeah. your foundation is different to mine, is different yeah. to Lynn's. Mm. But um, for me, I feel um, I couldn't trust um, the word uh, to be the word without um, the resurrection being witnessed by the early disciples mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um, uh, but that, I mean, I think that comes fundamentally down to how we trust mm-hmm. in different things and, and yeah. what the basis of that trust is. Um, for you, it's it's obviously, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's obviously um, much more strongly based in your experience of God rather than yeah. in the testimony of the eyewitnesses. Well, I would say that the testimony of Christianity for me uh, as a faith tradition ultimately always comes back to someone's direct encounter with God. And so the, um, so the direct accounts for me is it, it's an account of a direct encounter with God. Um, the entire Bible is littered through people encountering God in a much more direct mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, and so for me, if I feel that I too have encountered that and I recognize it in all these stories, then I can see how I belong to the same streams of, of encounter as, as that. So it's not that um, I would dismiss like you know the eyewitness accounts or whatever but i also understand that sorry i didn't mean to imply that no no no, no, no. it's it's, but at the same time i it's because it's not that i there it's not that i have things that i definitely don't believe it's just more that i have done a lot of work to make sure that there's nothing that everything hinges on that i can't justify having everything hinge on and for me god is love is the thing that i can justify hinging everything on because again if i'm wrong i'm i'm happily wrong yeah, yes, and I would 100% agree point. with you there yeah. in actual fact. Like, I, I think I have a, had a ex- similar experience of God where um, my experience of God in the Bible is a God who is loving. And when I experience loving in my life that seems transcendent, then I assume that that's God. Yeah. Um, and that's a, it actually interestingly brings us around that concept of foundationalism, which mm. yeah. um, in, in previous... Uh, probably in the, in the century that's just been, um, people have tended to uh, do what's called foundationalism, which is where you, you build, uh, you put an idea down, uh, the world was made in six days. Um, if that is true, then then Israel is true, then the prophets are true, then Jesus is true. Mm. And if that base gets pulled away by, say, evolutionary theory, the rest of it can't stand that's because right, because Jesus is, Jesus is only the son of God if yeah. God created the world in six days. So if God didn't create the world in six days... Then, then oh, but, I'm struggling, yeah. Yeah, but what... Uh, and it can, that could be anything. There are a number of different... Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Evolution is one of the big ones, but there are other foundationalisms as well where people are like, oh, the flood. So, for example, think of Noah and, and the ark. If that didn't happen, the Bible says it happened, it must be true. Yeah. Therefore, if that's not... If it didn't literally happen that way then that means the Bible is wrong. Therefore, it, it's also wrong about God um, and it always gets thrown away. And that, that's called foundationalism, whereas the kind of basis that we're talking about is actually more like, a, more like a trampoline than a block of concrete. It's, got, it's yeah. made up of lots of little threads of experiences yeah. and stories and people that we've known along the way, um, our cultural background, our heritage, mm-hmm. all those sort of things tying together to make something a bit more flexible that can actually... Yeah. You know, if it turned out, for example, that um, uh, Jesus never 
never calm the storm or walk on the waters or something like that. We'd be like, but the truth of who God is yeah. revealed yeah. in Jesus' actions still means something to us because That's we still believe thing. there is a God, mm-hmm. even if it's not um, not as tight as that might have been originally. Yeah. Mm. And the, um, there's something I think to be said as well for, like, just on the note of stepping back from that sort of more literal interpretation, um, there was a, on the, just because you mentioned calming the storm, um, I remember coming across reading that as though it were metaphor and allegorical, and mm-hmm. it ended up coming alive in a way that I'd never imagined before. Yeah. It's actually so, more, yeah, it actually, more, more impacting. When, 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 yeah. you, when you realize that there's actually a story in the um, Hebrew worldview already about mm-hmm. someone calming a storm, um, it's in Jonah, uh, yeah. And and the voices that's so in, in Jonah, God calms the storm. In mm. in the Gospels, Jesus calms the storm. They're both asleep they're in a boat during together, a storm. Yeah. Um, seas also are very uh, metaphorical for uh, the people of Israel when they're writing these things. The seas often represent evil, chaos, yeah. and the forces that work against God's order and creation. And yeah. so, um, if it if it did really happen that way, then that's fantastic because it actually marries in with the with the, mm. the philosophy and, and theology of the time. But if yeah. it didn't, that still marries in with exactly. the philosophy yeah. and theology yeah, of the right. time. Yeah, and, and we're and, still impacted. Yeah, and uh, the uh, it wasn't Jesus coming the storm that I came across. It was Jesus walking on the water and yeah. um, okay. Peter. Yep. That was the one because yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that yeah. And, and I would I would challenge any preacher out there to tell me that they haven't preached that in in, in a certain allegorical sense. You know, like. Yeah. If you take your eyes off Jesus, you sink. Like, I mean, come yeah. on. If you haven't preached <laughs> that that just way, done. like, yeah. it's it's really easy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think we get caught up, don't we, with that literal and that allegorical too much when really so much of what Jesus actually preached was it in both of those. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. when you look at the depth of, of his teaching, mm. it's full of allegory and pictures and images. And he plays fast and, and loose with the quotes too. Yeah. And, and, and he brought that all to to ordinary people for them to help them to understand yeah. so you just go wow you know it, that's what he did yes. so we Actually, should stand back and be amazed well, but, like with the the literalism thing as well for me the um whether or not it literally happened for me just it's a question that misses the point of it yeah um because i'm someone whose favorite gospel is john because it's about you know it's, it's about yeah. the gospel you know it's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and what is the gospel in john if not the message of love from god like yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, i'm a poet of course i love john, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. john. oh we all love yeah. john john's great um definitely one of the faves i had just realized something horrible that just turned off yeah because i wasn't recording so we've just done a really good practice so the first first one could just be an audio one i guess yeah (laughs) Uh, because the audio audio is recording right yeah it's all good i'm feeling a lot more comfortable (laughs) so we we can easily do that how long have we been going um 17 minutes yeah add a little bit and i think we I think we warmed up a bit. Yeah, yeah. As we went, well, I certainly did. Yeah, you popped it. You popped in there then. And that, was really yeah, that was really good. That was really good. But to start with, I was a bit. Nah, where am I putting my hands? And did we? Yeah. Am I looking uncomfortable? Yeah. yeah. And, you uh, know. Did, did we want to start that one over and yeah, go yeah. from the top again? Oh, I don't know if I could do it from the top again. Well, we don't have to do exactly the same thing. Yeah. And the other thing is, we yeah, can also we can also reference the fact anywhere. that we stuffed this up because that'll yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that kind of yeah yeah you know makes actually that's that's a bit of fun yeah yeah I'm quite comfortable with that. 
So we're actually recording now. Yeah. Video recording. Yeah. We've actually got video recording this I'll, time. I'll triple check. Yeah, just make sure we've actually got video yeah, recording it's a this time. Red circle there. Okay, know. we have video recording yeah. this time. <laughs> well, that was a good start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. So now we just have to say all those amazing points all over again. Oh, we just have a conversation about faith. Um, yeah. We could easily do that. Faith is an interesting word as well. Like, mm. so when you ask someone, what is your faith? What's the base of your faith? Are you using word faith as in like when we talk about the different kinds of faiths that exist as in like, mm. you know, Islam or Buddhism or Christianity or Taoism or, you know, like there's endless isms that, that could be called a faith. Um, but for me, the word faith um, uh, is more like how we would use it in terms of a marriage. Like, mm. um, am I faithful to my wife? Mm. Um, uh, yes, I am. Um, hopefully, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> in a way, it's up ahead. What science. time are we recording this? <laughs> as of as of this at this point at the time of recording, I have been faithful. Um, <laughs> but so to me, uh, when we talk about faith um, and the basis of that faith, it's a it's a question about um, what is the basis of your loyalty to God. Mm. Um, and so, if I'm thinking about how, what what makes me loyal to God. Um, it, it has to be the experiences of God that I've had in my life, mm. even ones that I haven't wanted, where God's you know kind of kind of just like chased me down and kept me, you know, kept me going when I really didn't want to. Mm. Um, and I couldn't put my finger on a, any particular one, but I, I there are landmarks in my life where I could have gone either way, and I've felt God has intervened mm. almost. Or it almost feels like favoritism, you know, like you've been deliberately put in a position to land or even how I landed at this church at Adelaide West in actual fact um, felt like God um, putting a leash on me and dragging me back but <laughs> but um, uh, yeah it's definitely that experiential element um, of experiencing God as as loving and gracious um, and that makes me want to be loving and gracious back that that's where my loyalty comes from I guess rather than uh, faith as in like belief which is the other meaning of the word faith, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. And I think when I when I think of that question, I think of belief yeah. rather, than, rather than what you're talking about. And yeah, I'm totally in agreement, but mm. I, you know, what do I base my belief in God on, which mm. would be on the um, the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Mm. And, 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 if, and in a sense, that is the very basis of my belief. My experience comes into that. My experience of God is love. Um, and uh, God, who as creator and so forth, that all feeds in. But it's the it's based around the centrality. It's, all, it's almost a, a Christian saying, isn't it? The centrality of the cross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. But it's it's based on the fact that um, the scriptures talk about uh, write a record for us the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and and so that's where my belief. That's the foundation, I guess, of my belief, in a sense. And then there's the experience on top of that, which is what you've been talking about. Mm. Where, um, wow, the experiences of God in my life. If I was to record them, it wouldn't turn out to be as exciting as a gospel. But it, you know, wow, you just when you start recording some of the things that God has done in your own personal life, it's quite amazing, mm. really. Yeah. I, I think the idea of loyalty, I think, taps into some of the stuff that I 
said before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Camera, I, right? I definitely was yeah. riffing off of what you like. Yeah, we, we all we like it was something lovers become part of exactly, the conversation yeah. because you said it in the first take <laughs> that we didn't get. Right, didn't so get. you didn't get to see, but James yeah. said something really lovely before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should probably just give an overview just so that way we yeah, can catch yeah, everyone yeah, else yeah, up. Yeah, because yeah. cool. um, yeah, uh, similar to you, um, the loyalty thing, I think, yeah, tees into it quite nicely because. Yeah, because for me, uh, you know, I've tried to have it so that my faith doesn't hinge on anything that I'm not comfortable saying, like, this I'm not having to. I don't have to explain that one. You know, like, th yeah. we're, we're just taking that one as read. Um, and for me, the thing that I figured out in high school was God is love. And the reason that I've stuck by that has been because if God is not loving, then I would defy God, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah uh, and... The encounter with that kind of divine love and everything, uh, and the fact that that is what bears fruit as well, is the thing that kind of ends up maintaining my faith, I think, because I've seen the way that love has fundamentally transformed a lot of things. Um, there's, in fact, there's probably two stories that I tell endlessly about um, where I've, I feel like I've seen the kingdom of God the most, um, well, the most clearly. Um, there was one where a friend of mine and I were um, we're catching up for coffee um, and he heard that, you know, like I didn't have heaps of money at the time. So, um, and like all his friends are artists. So he was like, that's right, I get it. Um, so he shouted me coffee. We chatted for ages, ended up going to the pub. Um, he brought like two rounds of beer on top of that. And so then when we were leaving, um, I remember that I brought a copy of my poetry book for him. Um, and like I'd already made the money back off of that, like all the money that I'd spent getting some copies, like I'd broken even. And the idea, and I was never going to profit that much off the remainder, so I was just like, yeah, just have one. Um, and he was like, oh, how much do you want for it? And I said, no, nothing. Like, and he was like, this is, this is worth way more than a couple of beers. And the thing is, I know what he meant, but at the same time, it was one of like 20 copies sitting under my bed collecting dust at that point. It so to me, like, to it was nothing to me. Yeah. Um, the same way that the beers were nothing to him. So both of us got more out of that situation, situation. than uh, mm. than what we put in. Um, and then similarly to that, um, when Amy and I moved house, um, I got all my friends involved and was very particular about who I got to do what job. And so my friend John loves showing off the fact that he can reverse a trailer, which I knew. So I was like, John, you're getting behind the wheel, you're reversing the trailer. Um, I got another friend who, um, like, he's really strong and he just loves lifting heavy things. So I was like, you're our main heavy guy. Um, I like rearranging furniture also, we were the ones moving, so I was on the other end, um, you know, saying like, yeah, chuck the couch here, that goes in this room. Um, another friend of mine, um, you know, really loves providing for people and everything, so I made sure that she was on catering because she makes amazing food and everything. So just, and everyone got so excited, like no one felt like they were working hard. Everyone actually yeah. felt really, yeah, happy and joyful and excited to be doing that. So yeah, so there's like, so for me, the, um, yeah, like the fact that people doing the stuff that they really love doing, like not just not just like say that they enjoy, but like the stuff that really brings people alive and stuff, that's that's sort of where I encounter God. Mm. And so yeah. you encounter God in a heist. It sounded so much like you were playing heist. I've got a, get, I've got a getaway driver who can back a trailer. I've got someone who can lift the safe. Well, I mean, look, Jesus seemed to want to, you know, 
get uh, rich yeah. people to redistribute some of their wealth. So I think yeah. <laughs> under the right circumstances, I think you can do Christian what, what I heard was quite different as I heard the body <laughs> of Christ yeah. in action, you know, where everybody has a passion about something. Mm. And so then they follow that passion. Yeah. And isn't that a bit what Paul was writing about in the body of Christ? Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. You know, you does the hand say to the foot that it's not needed? Yeah. Um, you needed the, the strong guy and yeah. you needed the reversing guy. And yeah. you need, you know, so it's yeah. a little bit like the picture of God. I'm always worried that I'm the butt of, of the body. <laughs> Someone has to be the butt part, right? I mean... Well, we need to sit down on something. Exactly, exactly. I was going to say, is it because you're always dealing with everyone else's crap? Is that? I suspect it's because I blow a lot of hot air. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You, you need that or else you, you will explode in a cloud of That's fight. true. Yes. <laughs> well, that descended really quickly. <laughs> yeah. um, Someone, get us back on track. Um, when you were talking... Um, about that basis thing, and, and you were also talking about belief as well. Yeah. Like that, that reminded me again of um, the the concept of foundationalism, which is essentially an idea that people have come up with, looking at how people in the last probably hundreds to two hundred years did things. Um, that they come up with this label and call it foundationalism. And what they're talking about is when you take one belief and you put it at the bottom like a foundation stone, and then you build other beliefs on top that are that, that are dependent on the one below being true. So it might be God created the world in six days. Um, it's recorded in the Bible. Um, therefore, the Bible and uh, therefore God is real. Now, if either of those get pulled out from underneath, like, for example, if you pull out, um, if, if, if it turned out evolutionary creation was how it physically literally happened, then that falls away. And then the belief that the Bible is true falls away. And then the belief in the God that is in the Bible falls away. Um, and, th and that can happen. You can make that foundation creation or you can make that foundation whether the flood really happened. You can make that basis. Uh, you can make the basis of it whether the feeding of the 5,000 actually happened. Like it, you could base it on anything, but if you base it on an idea um, that then the other ideas are predicated on, built, built on, mm. um, uh, your faith is going to be very prone to being um you know, like what is it uh, Paul says about like being tossed and turned in the waves. Yeah. Um, it's very easy for someone to um, upset your faith and then you become angry and defensive and do all the things that Jesus said not to do to the person yeah. who just said it because you mm -hmm. probably shouldn't punch them in the mouth even if they are wrong. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the kind of faith that we've been discussing today is a lot more like a trampoline where it's made up of different threads of things like... Um, uh, it's resilient. It bounces. It moves. Um, you know, you jump up and down throughout your life. You, you move and you change and you knock microphones. Um, <laughs> yeah, I probably should have moved these a little further away. <laughs> it's the pilot episode. It's allowed to be a little rough around the edges. Uh, uh, and all these things kind of weave together. Um, you, your friends and family, your experiences of God, your experiences of church, your, your upbringing, and, and um, whether you were brought up with a faith, whether you weren't brought up with a faith, all these things kind of um, tie together to make this more malleable kind of surface that we stand ideas on. And ideas can sit on that separately. They can bounce around and move when we bounce on the trampoline. That might be that something that you thought sat over there now sits over here, but it's okay because the basis is this idea that God is loving and everything else works in around that yeah i definitely went through a lot of time going through that process because i was um i was probably a lot more uh yeah kind of surface level and literal in my interpretation of scripture when i was a lot younger um but then in high school uh 
I ended up making friends with all the atheists who were getting into Richard Dawkins. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I got challenged pretty hard on that yeah. um, on a lot of things because, you know, when you go in sort of taking sort of the hard creationist um, line of things, there's a lot of questions that come up. And, yeah. When, yeah. and when it becomes pretty clear that the people that you're talking to have spent more time thinking things through than what you than have, what have. Yeah. then, yeah, you, it meant that, yeah, the way that I... Um, Interacted with scripture had to start evolving a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny that I mentioned. Interesting it word. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, it, it's tricky when. What does it really mean? Yeah, um, and we were talking about this more in the other take, but um, uh, you know, if certain things in the Bible didn't literally happen, that doesn't take away from this other type of truth that yeah. is kind of yes. more fundamental yep. to what the core of the gospel is. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, the, the creation story, for example, um, when we spend our time fighting over whether it's scientific fact or whether it's actually yeah. uh, not true, we've actually missed the point that it, it might not be, uh, it, it might not be a factual story, but it's definitely yeah. a true, but it is a true story. Mm. And what we see in it is actually a, um, like a, a prototype of, of human life where mm. we, we, we're born, we grow up, we become proud adults who think we know everything and know how to live our lives. And then God comes and uh, comes into the story and God um, doesn't want us to live forever in that state of arrogance and brokenness and all that sort of stuff and takes us out of that space so that we can grow and learn to be in relationship with God again. Um, and when you read Genesis like that, it doesn't matter whether it's it doesn't matter whether it's scientifically valid or not because there's something much more powerful going on. And then it comes back to the foundation of love that we're talking about. So the story actually reinforces who God is rather than rather than actually takes you away from God by fossilizing you almost. Yeah. But even uh, there is, I've actually found that looking at the creation story through a slightly more this is how it actually went down kind of a lens. Yeah, Having yeah. gone through the full deconstruction first, um, I've actually found really rewarding though, um, because understanding that, you know, the um, the origins of morality yeah. um, and the fact that we start out in the Garden of Eden as unconscious animals and, and stuff, but then when we gain consciousness, once you have a moral awareness, you're then morally obligated yeah, to yeah, hold yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so exactly. we're, and so we're in this weird yeah. phase of our evolution where we're more conscious and aware than animals, but we haven't realized the morality that yeah. has like has entered into our minds yeah. yet. Yeah. And so, again, even putting it on that more, you know, putting it on the evolutionary timescale again, having broken it down and be, held it quite loosely, um, there's, it then creates, yeah, sort of a, a pretty clear trajectory of, yeah, you know, like where humans are at and where, it, like where it, we're trying to get. It actually suddenly, uh, both stories make better sense when, yeah. when they're held together in a way that um, recognises the, the truth in one and the science in the other. Mm -hmm. um, I always thought that, like, uh, I, I came to a point where I was comfortable to say, um, uh, actually, we are just animals. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. However, the, the, the advent of Jesus... Um, and the interruption of, of our animalness by God repeatedly um, says to us that, yes, we are animals, but God gives us the opportunity to transcend. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. to me, again, that's what Genesis uh, there is about. It's about, um, funnily enough, we're actually talking about the almost like the, the first chapter of the Bible when yeah. we're talking about the basis of faith. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah to me, um, that story can kind of confirms that idea that um, we were created in a certain way, but we were always meant to transcend that. Yeah. Um, and that hasn't been interrupted by 
sin and death. And that's the important thing that what Jesus does is makes it possible for us to still transcend our animalness. Mm. Um, you know, when people appeal to that animalness, it's usually it's there's, there's politics involved. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you if you Always. like if you dismiss Genesis, it's quite easy to then turn around and say, well, then human beings are just animals, and I'm an animal. I'm the I'm the stronger animal, so I can exploit them, and that's that's moral. Mm. Genesis doesn't allow you to get away with that. No. Mm. Yeah. Um, there is there we're is called a, to care for creation because yeah. God is love, and we are created yeah. in that image. Yeah. The, the the image of morality that we get from, and this is the thing. Like I'm, I'm happy scientifically with creationism. I'm not happy philosophically with it because I think the anthropology that it offers us is actually very very pagan, which is basically like we fight over the scraps. Uh, oh, so we, you said creationism. I think you mean evolution. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That's um, okay. Um, so uh, we kind of get this point where. Um, we come back to paganism all over again. It's like it's not now. It's not my god is more powerful than your god. It's just I'm more powerful than you, which is even more arrogant yeah. and debased. Yeah. Yeah. But when that's our, our morality, um, we we just treat people horribly. And and mm. um, yeah. I, I want to believe in a world where God created order and wanted human beings to live in harmony. And that's when the gospel mm. suddenly makes sense because. Um, that's the way you do it. Well, you, it also comes up in the Minor Prophets as well, though, because yeah. people are saying, I, I'm stronger than you, yeah. tends to make things start going really awry, and then yeah. someone pipes up and says, hey, this isn't yeah, what literally. we're called to do. And like, so even, even even before the Gospels, like, it's it's written throughout the entire Bible. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The, yeah, yeah. The, and we're seeing that come up in the Minor Prophets series that we're doing. Yeah, definitely. Is that it, this repeated message mm. over and over again. But as you were talking about, as you were both been talking about, the, um, there's a sense of beyond, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like we we take a story like if you, if we start to talk about um, whether the the world was created in six or seven days, um, <laughs> you know, there's a sense of um, you know all of a sudden you've got oh well I heard this and I think that and but but the story's beyond that yeah you know so we so quickly. Um, argue and defend our, our point that we want to make about something about and and we base that on uh, books that we've been reading and um, biblical theological uh, theologians and, and scholars and so forth oh well, I read this and now I think that but but the truth is beyond yeah. you know if in in however you come across the creation story God is the creator yeah and, exactly. and that to me is is part of the foundation of that story yeah. and God is love which is about so it's beyond and it doesn't matter what you talk about whether you talk about the walking on the water or the um, any of the stories or the miracles of the Bible it's what's beyond that story mm. that I think we need to listen to rather than sitting here and the, well how how deep was the water and oh what do yeah. you think and what what was the storm really oh, I think it was a little bit of wind you know it's beyond that yeah, because there's so much richness in there mm. Uh, the style of debate that you're describing as well is something that um, I've my, my most recent big faith shakeup was actually around a little bit. Um, I threw a conversation I had online with some uh, with some Jewish people. I ended up um, yeah having a couple of assumptions that I didn't realize I have get shaken a little bit. Um, and after wrestling with stuff for a few days, the thing I eventually came to was that um, if it is, if, our, if for our faith to be valid, it is necessary to believe that Jesus was without a doubt the Messiah that was mentioned in Jewish scripture. Again, not to say whether he was or wasn't or anything, but if there is any degree of doubt in there, if that threatens our faith, then we end up with a lot of problems. 
because that then means that um, our understanding of God is incredibly narrow. And given that my reading of the New Testament is about um, God expanding who his people are. And so to then exclude the Jews of all people from that seems a little yeah. odd to me. Yeah. Um, and you can see how that leads to anti like some anti-Semitic yeah. anti positions quite quickly. I mean, certainly Jesus uh, in his own ministry as well actually casts some pretty heavy shade on, mm -hmm. on Israel and hence why anti-Semitism has been such a temptation for Western people because mm. um, <clears throat> I think we actually pick up on some of his condemnation of the Jewish people as the people who were supposed to be the messengers of God and ended up trying to keep the present for themselves yeah. rather than passing it on. When Jesus himself uh, was a Jew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> his, his condemnation is uh, is from within um, and we we become those people that he condemned when we start taking the superior attitude in actual yeah, fact because we start believing that it's for us instead of yeah. for everyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah, but for me, in order to um, get to a point where you can embrace more people as again i feel is the trajectory of the new testament there needs to be room for uncertainty um or at least there needs to be a like there needs to be room for a plurality of um of interpretations and uh and ways of it of getting to that kind of more transcendent truth of the text rather than getting caught up on the literal stuff which given that the bible for the most part is written by and for jewish people and that is more of a jewish approach to scripture anyway i think tends to yeah, uh, probably be a more, I don't want to say authentic as though, but I've got the one right way of doing it because that is counter to everything that you said. Exactly. You know, yeah, think that's right. Interpreters have for quite a while have acknowledged that um, uh, we, we sit in a culture and then we pick up an artifact from another culture and read it through our culture's Absolutely. lens. Yeah. Um, and so if we're able to hop up, walk over and sit down in a Jewish worldview for a bit, <clears throat> it's going to look different in yeah. scripture. But I think... You raised something else as well, which um, caught my attention, and I thought actually that's a really valid thing to talk about, which is the Jesus that we actually have our faith in as well. Like there are so many different Jesuses mm. out there that um, <clears throat> are we talking when we talk about uh, what we base our faith on, and we're talking about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Which life, death, and re resurrection of Jesus are we talking about? Um, There's a minimum of four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know. There's a variety of different theologies that have very different pictures of Jesus, like feminist theology, perhaps versus liberation theology. Although they wouldn't be in conflict because they're pretty close to each other. Yeah. But, but, um, but, but evangelical versus, say, mystic, um, contemplative. Um, who, who is? Uh, I, I want to put that as a question to you rather than as a as an answer. We had open ended. Well, exactly. Here. Yeah. yeah. If, if we if we have a definitive answer at the end of the this question, episode, we've question. failed. The question <laughs> that I find myself coming back to with myself as well is constantly this question of. Who is the Jesus that I follow and how much of that have I constructed to make my life easier and to validate what I do um, and how much of that Jesus actually challenges me and makes me uncomfortable with the things that I've chosen to do with my life as a rich middle class Westerner. Um, uh, you know, I hope that the Jesus I encounter actually rubs me up the wrong way and yes. challenges me and yeah. makes it harder for me, not easier for me to, to stay where I am. Yeah, although just to temper that a little bit, there is also a temptation to go the other way and say that this makes me uncomfortable, therefore... Yeah, the yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. And you don't want to go too far that way. Yeah. Like, that, you, we've all, we all know people who, um, you know, uh, just believe everything terrible about the world because it's a terrible thing that's been yes. said about the yeah. world, which yeah. I think you need to go through a phase of that in order to calibrate, I guess, a little bit. It needs to be bit. that balance, doesn't um, it? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is...
You do have the tenderness of Jesus as well as the the, yeah. the correction. And maybe that's the, the gift of the Gospels, because as we read through the Gospels for different accounts of the life of Jesus, and there are different stories in there, and there are even different accounts of those same stories at times as well. So you get a bit of a picture. You get you see Jesus overturning the tables and being angry, but you also see Jesus gentle and meek and mild and... and um, very, you know, you imagine almost softly spoken. Um, you see Jesus with children sitting on his lap. You know, it's a very different picture to the overturning of the tables. And and those different images of Jesus speak to me about my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and where am I showing? Well, um, in the Minor Prophets series, we are just looking at the fruits of the Spirit recently where, you know, how do we see righteousness in our lives and we see it by the fruit of the Spirit in our lives mm. and, it, and it's all of those things. Am I living that out in my daily life? But I also need to be angry that children in the world don't have enough food to yeah. eat. Mm. So there's a time for anger and justice yeah, yeah, um, and not just to turn on the news and go, oh, oh, okay, so 50 people died in that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it does matter. The fact that we've got thousands of people starving um, in areas of Africa at the moment, just that should absolutely break our yeah, hearts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the fact that we don't have enough food to share in the world should make us angry. Yeah. Because there is enough food in the world yeah. that we're not sharing it. I've often uh, thought, like, um, we're all okay with um, God being forgiving, God being love, God being gracious. So that means uh, then that God is loving and gracious towards Hitler. Yeah. And are we okay with that? Um, you know, on one level, on one level, we want, we actually Wait, we, want, we got rid of the take where you were talking about Hitler. Yeah, I know. I brought Hitler back in. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Um, there, but there, there is a line at which we want pe- certain people to be judged yeah. and condemned, and there is a point at which we want them to be redeemed, and that that that's a tension that we that we should sit in, not one that we should have an easy answer for. But yeah, um, I mean, there's there are two different Hitlers, though. <laughs> this is giving this is a very odd thing to have just heard come out of my own mouth. Um, there's there's Hitler the dictator, yeah. um, Hitler the mass murderer, and then there's Hitler the traumatized child. Yeah. Um, you don't have you don't you don't feel great about your life, and then <laughs> no, that's right. Um, you don't. And yeah. given the you know given the context of Germany at the time when Hitler rose to power as well, there were there was a lot yeah, of trauma around the place, and so God loving Hitler, the traumatized child, is different to yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and this is the thing. Like I, I literally point this out just because like there comes a point where we actually like we want God to be a judge mm. um, because we want to judge those things. Um, God doesn't judge the things that we judge. Like that's why God is the better judge than us because we get caught up in petty um, stuff and we can't balance out that equation with mm-hmm. what He did versus who, how broken He was as a person. We can't balance that equation, but God can. Mm-hmm. Um, but there does come a point where we, where we, where we as fallen human beings would like God to be a judge um, because uh, and I, can't, I can't remember how we got onto this. It was something from what you said, uh, which, which was more important. More than that tangent, and I can't remember now. I can't remember either. It's a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing we called this open ambulance. We don't have to resolve anything. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Like, I, I, I sometimes like to imagine God as Batman. I know that sounds weird, but like, um, Batman is is one who's driven by a, an ethic of virtue, not morality, which is based on rules. Mm-hmm. Um, what he judges as right and wrong <clears throat> tends to be based on uh, virtues like humility. He's, he keeps. He, no one knows who he is. 
um, uh, or um, uh, generosity. He, you know, as Bruce Wayne, he gives huge amounts of money to an orphanage and eventually leaves his home to orphans. Um, his actions are all based on these kind of virtues, but the thing is that he hates evil, like just mm. uh, just despises evil. Um, and I think that was what I picked up out of what you were saying about God um, was that one of the things that we can say is that God um, despises evil, and that, and that yeah. that is part of my uh, part of the basis of my faith. I think yeah. um, that not only is God love on one hand, but God despises evil on the opposite hand, yeah. and. And that's where we see the hatred and the anger in God in the Bible yeah. directed, I think, um, that God doesn't hate people, but God does hate evil. And when yeah. people take sides with evil, he, he's opposed to that. Mm. Yeah. I think I, I don't disagree, but I have a di- slightly different framing, I think, because, um, yeah, because, again, uh, God is love being the central tenet of my faith. Um, I tend to view God at, like there's a, a phrase that I've been using a lot lately that I really like, which is the only way to escape the dark is to run towards the light. And so I don't think, I don't think God despises the darkness because then you, he, he would be focusing on the darkness. I think it's more, everything is about loving the light, but if you darken the light, then that's a different thing to just being the darkness. Um, so there's, there's a difference between hating the darkness and hating that which obstructs the light, I think. I mean, and that, that comes down to an ontological difference in yeah. what we're talking about. Because for me, evil is not darkness. Darkness is just the opposite of light. But whereas whereas um, evil is 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 nothingness itself. Like if, we'll if probably you, do a whole you, episode. Yeah, exactly. And if you, entertain, if you can entertain <laughs> the idea, if you can entertain the idea that evil is absolutely is absolutely nothing, which sounds crazy. I'm not saying that evil doesn't impact us and and causes harm. But it's very different to saying, like, yeah. But anyway, that's yeah, a different, yeah. that's a different, different <laughs> conversation. I, I, I do have a lot of things I want to say, but that'll be yeah, we'll put a pin back, We'll put the pin back in that grenade yeah, yeah, and yeah. pop it in the box with the other ones. Perfectly <laughs> yes, safe. I think we need to keep that one. Um, it's good discussion there. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. On what do we base our faith is, was the question, wasn't it? And I, yeah. I wonder if it's actually better if we, um, if we sort of leave it with the question of um, who on... Uh, on who do we base our faith? Um, mm-hmm. Because for you, uh, in the discussion, it was a loving God. That is, the, it has to be a loving God. Yeah. If it's not a loving God, then it's your enemy, and you'll fight that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, yeah. I'm totally with you, 100. Yeah. percent I would be, I would join that rebel alliance. Yeah, exactly. That's well, the, it's yeah, uh-huh. like because that's the thing is we we talk a lot about the God that we believe in, but what God could you not believe in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, that was the question that really clarified a lot of things for me it's like what god would i not believe in i'm like one that mm. one that's bad obviously yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah and um yeah so obviously like again it's it's on who do you base your faith mm. rather than on what um and I, I think that's actually an easier concept to hold on to again going back to my marriage metaphor like you can't be you can't be faithful to an idea but you can be faith. I mean, you can you can defend an idea, um, and you can carry that idea. It can be a thing, but it, it's not it's not faith because it's not a relationship like you have with with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd say, um, I don't know. Anyway, I think that the question our question is better if we frame it as who rather than than what. It's probably how we've answered it. It has, or yeah. It has come back to that. Within our- yeah, as a basis of conversation. I, I almost think it would be worth going into some of the belief stuff, though, because well, we have, we have. Well, there's a there's a slightly different. 
here's the thing I can't remember what was in the previous take and what was in this one I know that's the problem <laughs> um, but I don't think we've talked about actually no I don't think we talked about this in either take come to think of it but given okay so if either of you were born Muslim would you have been a good Muslim oh undoubtedly and so that's the thing is that if the text that you hold as containing the truth is circumstantial to where you were raised, why, why Christianity specifically? Like what keeps you within this faith tradition? Well, for me, uh, growing up in a non-Christian family, uh, it was an invitation to mm. church. So for me, and I've often looked at people, you know, we, we've, People talk about the fact that you can just sort of grow into your Christian faith if you've grown up in, in a Christian home, um, which I think is what you're talking about, mm. being born into. Although I was baptised um, as as an infant uh, in Sydney in the middle of King's Cross as the first baptism wayside chapel. So it, I was baptised into the church, but there it sort of stopped. Mm. Uh, and so I've often looked at people who've had that just growing in that faith and go, oh, wow. But then people, because I've got a conversion story, uh, and then people have said to me, oh, you've got a conversion story. <laughs> you know, Neither's right or wrong, but that's my experience is that I had a conversion story. I found in a church family people who loved me unconditionally, and from that I found the unconditional love of God. And so that is my experience and my story of finding God. So if I had been, if I was living in another culture and somebody had uh, invited me to, I, I don't know, but that my story is I was invited to church and I found Jesus. I'd like to hope that Jesus would actually come find me if I was in a different religion because I I don't think, um, I don't want to get into a massive debate about it or, or take us in that direction, but um, I don't believe that all faiths are the same. Like when you when you, you characterise a person, like there's two, there's two things you have in a relationship. There's con- connection and content. Um, you, you can have connection with any deity you you know, kind of worship i suppose but like um the content of that relationship is very different like the difference between um the shared story that i might have with um allah versus the shared content that i might have had with yahweh or or jesus mm-hmm. or buddha or something like that would be quite different because their stories are very different and when the story is different the imagination is different the habits are different it's it's it, 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 it is, it is, is a different it's different yeah. um so i'm not sure i mean I, I as i said i i um i'm definitely a christian because i grew up in a christian country like uh well that's debatable whether it's a christian country but um <clears throat> i grew up in a family that that um espoused faith um but I've had multiple conversions over the course of my life as well, where I've kind of needed to be converted. Because again, to say you know, like, do you, you don't just convert? Like we we, we convert again and again. I, think yeah, it, that, I heard it true. in your story as well. Yeah, You've had yeah. moments that have changed uh-huh, fundamentally right. your yeah. relationship with continuously with the vine. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's important to remember too that that we um, we're constantly growing and, and constant growing means that there's going to be constant conversion moments where God um, where, where our relationship with the divine um, changes actually that's quite helpful I, I tend to think of convert the conversion story but in that context I could see many many aha moments many yeah. conversions and and maybe that's a better way to frame it, mm. it it's like the language around forgiveness um, when when um, you know Jesus says 
forgive um, how many times do we are we supposed to forgive seven times no seven times seven seventy seven um, you know like you might actually be forgiving the same thing over and over again until you actually get to the point of forgiveness because yeah. we don't just let go of things and conversion is probably similar to that you know. Yeah. Um, who would have thought that a, if you had a rebellious child, that that child kicked you in the shins and then ran away and then came back later sad and apologized and you gave them a meal and then they threw the meal in your face? Um, you know, like there, there are moments in that in your relationship yeah. with that child where they they come back and convert, I suppose, to yeah. to being the, the faithful child. Then they become the naughty child again. And we, 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 we all do that, like um, with God. Yeah, I guess what you're talking about is probably repentance, really. Like the yeah, like, yeah, proper yeah. turning back. The proper, yeah, 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 that's it. The, the, it's where your alliance, uh, where your allegiance lies, you know, like yeah. with yourself or with the mm. caregiver or with a bit of both. And, and over time you can realise it can be both. Mm. That's a, a picture again of the minor prophets, isn't it, where it's come back to me, yeah. Yeah. come back to me. Yeah. Over and over, every minor prophet seems to be saying yeah. God is saying, "Come back to me." Good well, picture with the parents. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the literal message of the prophets, which is like, um, you have a broken relationship with your God. Yeah. Come back to that relationship, and quite often, the the broken relationship is not just it's not just because, like, uh, you know, like on paper they've they've said that they believe in the Nicene Creed, but not the Apostles' Creed or something like that. It's not it's not as asinine as that. It's very serious. Like their 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 choice of other gods actually leads them to be awful awful human beings and broken human yeah. beings like the, it validates them um enslaving people torturing yeah. people stealing yeah. people killing people yeah. taking taking things that they had mm. uh, idolatry is not uh, even though there's no god behind the idol an idol is still a dangerous thing because it shapes so who you are and what you yeah. do yeah. Mm. um and so like yeah the, i think the minor prophets are like literally they're they're a microcosm of the story of salvation that god yeah. comes to us and says come back to me mm. and then when we come back to them there's this complete restoration that yeah. happens even though israel's actually technically still awaiting that complete restoration yeah um. mm, that's helpful that's a, a nice way of um because we are doing the minor prophets uh some of that might end up in <laughs> messages still to come that yeah. by the time this goes As, out yeah it'll be um after the fact if anyone remembers what you said yeah that's right exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's good um yeah i think the the thing for me that keeps coming back with my faith is direct witness yeah um mm. and the fact, yeah, the fact that Christianity is what's formed the lens of how I can recognize when what I'm witnessing is God yeah, yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. probably a better way of thinking about it than to say that, Definitely. you know, I'm strictly and solely within the Christian box in a lot of ways because, um, you know, given that the story of Jesus is Jesus turning people who would, by definition, not God's people into God's people, um, you know, I have had, like, I've, I've seen God outside of the church walls in so many unexpected places mm. over the course of my life, but... Um, and the fact that, you know, even, uh, you know, in some respects you could say that, um, you know, Jesus gets a lot of his authority during his ministry from John the Baptist, you know, yeah. um, and John the Baptist gets his authority because the word came to him in the wilderness, you know. Yeah, well, he's a quintessential prophet. He has yeah. the exact... Yeah, yeah, yeah in fact, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, uh, most if not all the prophets would be like that as well. It, it would yeah. say the word came to them as opposed to... They studied really hard, re did really well yeah. on Sunday school, <laughs> figured it out, you know. Got um, the gold star and went out to be a prophet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so because of that, for me, like, 
yeah, I, it's it's where I recognize the gospel. That is, um, and the fact that um, I'm, you know, I'm not that old, but like I'm old enough that I've been able to see enough things play out to know that the stuff that has held true across many years within my lifetime is the stuff that has had all the kinds of things that Jesus has taught about. The stuff that, um, the, yeah, the values authentic love and human connection over the pursuit of material wealth and things like Great. that. And in fact, um, using material wealth um, as nothing more but a means to um, spread the love uh, mm. and help and liberate people um, uh, as as much as possible. You know, sell everything, give it to, you, give to the poor is kind of unambiguous, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Awfully so. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge. But at it? the same time, it's uh, I, I, I've... You know, I, I've encountered the stuff that you're supposed to get, or at least caught glimpses of the stuff that you're supposed to get to when you do divest from a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and having grown up in a family that yeah didn't have a lot materially, but had a very rich and vibrant community around us, um, and seeing what that did, and then uh, me continuing to do that with my life and stuff. There's been times where, um, you know, my family hasn't had the most um, material security, but we've had friends who've been more than happy to come through and help us out because our community has been where we've gained our security from as opposed to having any money in the bank. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, and in some ways that winds up being more secure in some ways because, yeah. you know, it's not dependent on, That's you know, correct. interest rates in the economy yeah, and everything. Yeah. So, or having a, having a particular job, bringing yeah. in a particular amount. Yeah, well, I mean, it is the irony of... Uh, of the Western world that we we uh, espouse to have been born of Christian values, mm. but the the solution that we have to poverty is to make poor people rich, whereas the gospel yeah. solution is to make rich people poor yeah. by distributing their wealth amongst people. Um, I don't like that one as much. It's mm. less comfortable. But, yeah. Um, going back to what you said about um, uh, faith has given you the language to interpret events in your life. Yeah, um, um, as, yeah, as yeah. spiritual as yeah, faith. Christian faith specifically, yes. Christian faith yeah. specifically. I think that's also what happens in the New Testament. Like, um, so you've got this moment where God becomes flesh, um, starts walking around as a human being. Uh, God is impossibly big. We can't possibly know God because our minds would actually just literally physically explode out of our heads like a potato in a microwave. Like, um, and then suddenly that, that God is now in, in personhood walking around amongst yeah. us. How the heck... Do you make sense of that and describe it to anybody? Yeah. Um, you lean on the cultural symbols that you know. They're, they're Jewish people, so he's a prophet. Yeah. Um, he's he's uh, the he's, he's a, an Abraham. He's a, fi- a founder of uh, he's a Moses or a, f- a founder of the nation. He's a um, you know they, they they use the images and and um, language and and of the religion that they already had to make sense of the Jesus event because that's what it was. So in a sense. You could say that, like, as a as a Muslim, you could follow Jesus because you've made sense of Jesus through uh, your the language of, of Islam, or or you could be a Buddhist Christian and follow Jesus having yeah, made right. sense. And there of are people Jesus who do that. Did. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not common, but it's well, yeah. I I feel like that misses the point of the question um, initially, though, which is really that um, is the is the uh, scripture that you use to justify your faith um, sort of almost self-presupposed in a way? Like, it's just, you know, would you, like, would you engage at the level that you've engaged with uh, the Bible with whatever religious scripture you'd been raised with? It's because there's, because, and this was one of the things that I had to wrestle with pretty early on is that, yeah, like the only reason why I'm a Christian is because it's the culture I was raised in. Um, and so 
if that's arbitrary, why do I stick with Christianity specifically? And um, I said to you when we were in the car once, it's um, um, there's an idea within Buddhism that actually um, kept me well within Christianity, which was that you're better off digging one well 10 feet deep than 10, uh, 10 wells one foot deep each. And by the, and by the time I was, you know, really questioning my faith at the level I'm talking about, like I'd, I'd been a Christian for 20 years, you know, the kind of richness and depth that I'm able to engage with God as I experience God um, is just so much full of life and everything that anything else could be. Because I would be starting from the beginning, I would be coming as an outsider, as Christianity is my culture. It's the thing that I've been brought up in. Like I, I, I live it. It's, it's inside my body in some respects. Um, and so that's the source of my language and my metaphors when engaging with this stuff. And um, I... Um, yeah, so it, it probably won't surprise anyone for me to say out loud at this point that I'm a universalist, but it's, um, but at the same time, I've, and there have been points where I've wanted to let go of Christianity entirely because it felt too restrictive. But but you haven't. Well, I did for about three seconds, and then realized, <laughs> yeah. and it felt way too unmoored, um, because I realized that also as a white Australian, if you want, um, if you want a culture that is not problematic to be part of, this is not the best one, um, in some respects. Um, and so then, but then I realized that, yeah, Christianity is where um, so much of the richness of where I claim my continuity comes from. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, it's been a big part of both sides of my family. Um, you know, uh, like my, my dad's always been very sort of poetic and, and things in the way that he's engaged with it. He um, was part of a theater troupe when I was growing up um, that put on Christian plays. Um, and, but yeah, just the way that there was sort of just this art and language to, yeah, kind of just this big well to kind of draw from, um, why would I throw that away? And so ultimately, this is just a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I'm Christian because my parents are, um, but in a highly critical way that's been really through the ringer over it, and I know exactly why that's the decision that I've made. It's because there is so much life to be drawn from there. And that's the thing too, like you could say I'm just a Christian because my parents were, but the reality is there are tons of people who aren't Christian whose yeah, parents were Christian. Parents so that's were, not, it's not the, yeah. it's not the deciding factor. It is, it's, it's part of it. Yeah. But there's much more to it than just that. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. a part of the story. Mm. Yeah. And Your an important story. part. Yeah. Yeah. Certain. Yeah. yeah. It's just, um, yeah, I say that as someone who was very critical of people who just had always gone to church and that was the reason why they yeah. kept going to church. It's. Yeah. Because um, again, culture I, and habit. Yeah, <laughs> like again, I, I was community. A, mm, community. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I had some friends who were atheists and who were smarter than me uh, yeah. in high school, and so I had to really yeah. draw down and question it's a lot of things. It's always good to have friends who are atheists. Yeah, definitely. Because it really does help you to think about why you believe what you believe. Yeah, and and the reason why I, I remained like I kept my faith through high school was because they were so clearly missing something, but I couldn't yeah. I couldn't figure out what it was for so long. Actually, this that actually neatly brings me around to probably the main basis of my faith, which is that there is something when there shouldn't be anything. Like yeah. everything that science teaches us about entropy and um, like there should be nothing, but there is something. To me, is a is a miracle too huge to ignore, um, and that demands explanation. And the explanation, um, whatever that explanation is, is divine. Like whatever you yeah. make that explanation, yeah. Yeah. it is the divinity to which you subscribe. Yeah, because e even if the universe does not have some conscious being pulling the strings behind yeah. the curtain somewhere, 
everything fits together and we're still like we're still part of the universe we're, we're yeah. the conscious organs of the universe basically and it's not hard to learn things about science and the universe and the way that sort of the symphony all of all of it comes together you you have to be brought to your knees and say oh my god like, yeah yeah, 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 so yeah. That's, quite literally exactly that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing it's yeah. it's um yeah so another point that i um used to say quite a while back um somewhat facetiously was if god doesn't exist he may as well exist yeah so yeah. i remember going through an atheist phase like what you were talking about and i, I distinctly remember going like god please make me a better atheist <laughs> Uh. <laughs> that, okay. that is somewhat problematic. When you find yourself still talking to God, it's a problem. Yeah, that there's yeah. a, and I think you know. I, I don't want to believe in you. Stop it. <laughs> we, we have these things that we come out with readily, and I encourage people to do that as a preacher to have something. You know, when you're coming up with uh, a conversation with someone who doesn't have faith, to, to have these lines that are part of the um, that you know really deeply and so for mine is that um, you know Jesus my purpose for living my reason for being and without God my life doesn't make sense yeah. and without God my life doesn't make sense yeah. Yeah. you know so that with God my life makes so much more sense mm. and so that I think that's what you were saying yeah a bit there wasn't it the, yeah the, it's um the, I think the problem is is that that particular phrasing doesn't tend to go over well with atheists because they, no, tend, to, they tend to understand the realm of science. My, uh, well, 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 fortunately, there's philosophy yeah. which gets you through, though. Well, I was about to say, well, the irony Meaning is, is not a function of science. Yeah, exactly. Is, I mean, is, this, is, this is the irony. Like, um, scientists are terrible at philosophy, but they yeah. think they're great at it. Um, they're all just nihilists. It's like, come on. I mean, sorry, guys. I didn't mean all of you, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love science. Actually, I actually have a fascination with science. I love it. But, like... Um, uh, I do think that scientists regularly, like pastors actually, step outside of their knowledge area and state and state way too much to people who are much more learned than them in that area. Um, Which with, I with, can't do. With an science. arrogant uh, kind of like certainty that's a little bit runs a bit roughshod over the people who are actually expert in that field. I don't know how medicine works. I'm not going to. I'm not going to explain to a doctor how I believe cancer works. Yeah. Um, I wish they would do me the courtesy of at least listening. Um, to how divinity works, you know, like yeah. not that I know the answer to that question because that's bigger than my brain. Potatoes, boom, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, but that's true. It's, it's obviously you have a context with you're having that conversation, um, but there are things that you actually can't explain, and and we can't if you were to discuss with a scientist about the creation of the world. Well. I don't know enough about the creation of the <laughs> yeah, world to yeah. be in that. Obviously, that person's going to know a lot more uh, scientifically, but the Bible isn't written as a scientific book. Yeah, and if their philosophy if their philosophy is nihilism, then they're going to come back or everything's meaningless, regardless of what you'd say. And if, if their philosophy is Christian, because there are Christian scientists. Plenty not, yeah, of not, Christian scientists. Not the, I mean, there is plenty of people in that movement too, but we're talking about specifically about people who work in the field of science who are Christian, not Christian scientists, just to clarify. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, then there is a difference, isn't uh, there? Yeah, there is. Um, but the, you know, there, are, there are people who... who you know, work in, in the field of science and look at a molecule or look at a, something under a microscope and say, there has to be a God, just as much as yeah, there are people who yeah. do that and say, there is no God. You know, yeah. it's kind of like yeah. both. Um, but nihilism, um, this is just my reading of people like Sartre and such. It's like, it just demands of you that you make meaning of, of it yourself if you don't have meaning. I'd rather Jesus make the meaning. Like he's pretty yes. better. Yeah, I... I, I 
as an existentialist, I take issue. So, um, yeah, so... And this is the forum for well, that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so nihilism puts way too high a demand on what is required of meaning. You know, meaning has to be some kind of substantive, objectively measurable thing for a nihilist to be satisfied. And there's none of that. Yeah. And so therefore there is no meaning. Um, as an existentialist, it's more meaning does exist, but that's a, that's an internal function. Yeah, yeah, we, no. we make meaning. I definitely agree. I, I wasn't trying to say that. I was actually I was actually contrasting uh, yeah. contra- contrasting existentialism with nihilism, not yeah, okay. not, not not conflating them. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah but even if um, even if we are the ones making meaning. That's still part of our connection to God. I, yeah, exactly. I, I would say, which yeah, is, yeah, which yeah. is yeah. where um, this is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the good. journeying and the yeah. gosh, I feel like I'm back in some of my lectures. <laughs> I remember writing on existentialism. I don't normally converse about it. <laughs> I, I love the way existentialism is just like no, you, you have to make meaning. That's, that's, that's yeah. what a human being is at their essence is a meaning maker. Well, we're um, compelled to make meaning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm studying psychology. Like we can't help but make meaning. It's literally one of the yeah. fundamental uh, a priori assumptions that come pre-programmed into our, well, let's get into a priori stuff here, but it, like there are, there are certain I things. I don't even know what that is. Uh, well, we let's not go into <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stay out of the syntax. <laughs> that, that, comes, that comes back to, um, well, like, that, that's, that, that is when you start talking about um, the fact that um, we're born pre-programmed to make meaning out of stuff. Like that's a thing that we do. Um, um, it's a, uh, it's like the onboard software that you get on your laptop when you get it. It's already there. Now that I understand. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the meaning making program comes pre-installed on our laptop. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so we, and so we just do that as part of the, the fundamental fabric of what it means to be a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bearing in, given that, uh, and this is where the linguist in me comes out of it. Bearing in that we're defining meaning in this context as like in a, in a particular way as well. Like because the um, yeah because that nihilistic there is some objective substantive yeah, 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 meaning yeah. to life um, is different to uh, yeah. like you you look at something and you think oh that is a chair because we have a category for chair. Yeah, it's yeah, a scheme yeah, that we've yeah, built yeah, up yeah. as we've we developed that's cognitive different what, what we mean by what yeah. we mean by meaningful is that life our life has a purposeful direction. Yeah. Um, rather than um, what we co- commonly use meaning to mean, like, um, how do we understand what the person is trying to tell us? Yeah. We're using meaning to say purposeful life. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, the, my big take on meaning to fly in the face of the nihilist as well is um, we experience meaning. And so, even if meaning is arbitrary, even if it's just uh, even if it's just a little glitch in our brains or something, it doesn't matter what it is. We experience it, therefore, it exists on some level. Exactly. Um, and so, because we because we do experience meaning, and because the way that we make meaning and the things we find meaning in tend to be quite common between people, not perfect, but there's enough yeah. themes there. I like you can you can't measure that in an absolute scientific way, but you can measure that enough to describe it, to talk about it, to talk about the patterns that come up through that. And the patterns that do come up through that happen to line up pretty well with the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so that, that's that's for me, that, that, that's the gospel for atheists, for, yeah. like, according to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Yeah, I like how that came around. Yeah. Yeah, it's came back around to the gospel once again. Is that where we're going to leave it, or do we have more that we want to talk about? Yeah, I was just wondering that. Well, um, we're about an hour in, so... I think we should probably leave it there. Yeah. That's, um... 
hope it's been helpful. Yeah. Um, it's been a good, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I felt like I've done a bit of. If you feel like, you can, you feel like your brain was a <laughs> microwave potato, <laughs> yeah. we completely understand. Yeah, we we went a bit. We covered a bit more Ooh, than what I thought we, we did. Until very, yeah. very yeah. deep. Thank you for joining us. Open Ended is directed and produced by J.C. Finlay, that's me, for Adelaide West Uniting Church, with music by Tadra Abbott. If you would like to participate in our online church services, they are available on the Adelaide West Uniting Church YouTube channel from 10am every Sunday, Adelaide time. If you would like to get in touch with us, send an email to churchonline at awuc.au and you can visit our website at awuc.au.